Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, how to get 20, 20, 20, how to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So, Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Here's a cool fact. A crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact you can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at uh1.com. Hello from Philippa at the Quick Book Reviews podcast. Now more than ever, people are often turning to a book to provide them with a great escape. And they usually get asked, which book should I read next? There are so many to choose from. Well, help is at hand. The Quick Book Reviews podcast does what it says on the tin. It gives you some quick book reviews. You can tell how long it took me to come up with that market-leading title. Well done, me. And it covers all sorts of different books you might be interested in. And, hopefully, a happy half hour with me chatting about life, cups of tea, biscuits and books. Lots of books. From crime to thriller to general fiction, audiobooks, even children's books. If I think it's good, I'll want to tell you about it. And if I'm not such a fan, I'll tell you that too. It's not about literature or fine arts. It's just about finding a good read that makes you want to keep turning the pages. Finding books that deliver a great ending. Fancy a listen? Download the Quick Book Reviews podcast and see what you think. This podcast is a Royfield Brown production. Find others on iTunes. All right. Yeah, Anna. This is Dumpty Dum, sponsored by managers. Dumpty 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 dum dumpty dumpty dum dum. Guess what I've spent an hour and forty four minutes doing today? The excellent Dumpty Dum podcast about the archers, Ian. We have a very, very, very special guest uh, today. Suffice to say, he um, he played a character for some twenty eight years, which was totally beloved by the vast majority of. Uh, of all of us fans of the archers and um he went in spectacular fashion he he, i I don't know if he came in a gorilla suit or came in a mr whippy's ice cream van no i came in a gorilla suit oh oh, you did yes i did my first appearance you've jumped in sir i'm sorry i hadn't quite finished my my whole of my whole of my i'm not i'm not joining in again i'll behave over to you sir (laughs) he was the most 
beloved of all of the characters in the archers you know we, we go through times and periods where we, we get fed up of certain characters but no one ever got fed up of our nigel did they and um as, as i was saying before he went on a, a very auspicious day for us archers fans he went on the on january the 1st which was uh january the 1st 2011 which was the 60th anniversary of this the founding uh of the archers and um is it fair to say graham that it's kind of rankled ever since hasn't it you you having to go into such spectacular fashion uh well yes i i suppose um I'll be remembered for falling off that roof uh, more than the 28 years I, I enjoyed playing Nigel in the Arches. And it certainly wasn't my decision. And it was a last minute secret that Nigel was going to be, there was some, everyone knew that something dreadful was going to happen at the 60th anniversary. And um, mm -hmm. well, I think the hubris was that I, I wasn't even, I thought, oh, I don't know what, what all this is about. Never occurred to me it would be, it would be poor El Nigel, yeah. But yes, of course, I miss it. It was a, a momentous thing to happen. I mean, um, I was very fond of the old boy, and uh, it, it 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 all happened very suddenly, yeah. So let, let's go all the way back. Um, when you started, before mm -hmm. you before you started, um, before you took a the role of Nigel, um, there was a new kind of script editor, Will William Smethurst ca came into the Archers. And I've been talking um, for the last couple of weeks about the fact that the storylines got so much better um, in the Archers, really in the mid to late seventies, they're listenable with, with modern ears. And, and that was, and I've always said that I was the introduction of kind of female writers, at least that's what I believe, but also yes. it was William Smethurst coming into it, wasn't it? What Indeed, was it yeah. which you think he actually brought to the show? Well, well, yes, William, dear William, was trained as a journalist. And um, he was responsible for introducing so many female writers. And I think it would be fair to say that the programme was a bit... Uh, it, it was struggling and it needed an editor like William to turn it around. For a start... Uh, the characters that the great William Smithers introduced, he introduced Eddie Grundy, Joe Grundy, uh, Nigel Pargeter, um, Linda Snell. Now, that says a lot because they were very bold choices that relied on a lot of color. Yeah. Um, he was the best editor I worked under. He was. He had a very quick pen. He changed lines as you went along. I said, cut that, that um, jump, bomb, bomb. And it was very exciting working with William. Um, I didn't know the archers at all. I was appearing at the Birmingham Rep in mm -hmm. a Bernard Shaw play called Major Barbara. And I happened to be playing um, a bit of an upper-class twit. Um, I hadn't actually played many upper-class twits, and I hate to define Nigel as an upper-class twit. Um, I thought he was more P.G. Woodhouse, and uh, there was a vulnerability there. Um, he wasn't just a brayer. Um, very deep, he, very damaged man um, that I sympathised with because he, he got sent to boarding school at seven or something, never 
well, I did know my father, but, but he had a, a pretty bad childhood. But anyway, this is this is digressing, and you'll have to always bring me back because <laughs> I'll, I'll just talk. Well, 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 let me bring you back. Let me bring you back. So um, William Smethurst is doing his thing, and in effect, he's kind of subtly reinvented the archers and, and arguably saved the archers because mm. um, in the mid mid seventies there was talk of, of axing it by then already had been on the air for some 20 odd years and it was seen as kind of stolid and dare I say boring mm. um so by the time so you were doing some rep and you and really interesting I was a thing jobbing actor reading, yeah I was mm. a jobbing actor I was doing television rep um um and I I didn't know the archers really at all uh but uh, but um if you get a phone call but, um, but Graham, how is that possible? How is that possible? It's terrible, with isn't it? With, with, with your accent, with with your voice, sir. <laughs> you sound like you were, you know, the um, archers were to the man born for you, surely. So, so tell us where you were born and brought up. I was born in West London, and my parents ran a little boarding house. They were called that. I mean, they were called private hotels because they weren't licensed. Um, they were mm. they were posh B and Bs just off Maribyrn High Street. And um, I got sent away to a prep school age seven. And I then went on to uh, a public school um, that produced Ben Travers, the writer, and um, um, a few other well-known people. But um, I never thought of myself as a toff because I'm not. I'm a, I'm a, I'm a bit of a phony toff. I mean, there's no moneyed unfortunately i mean i'm 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 not like i'm not the honorable tim benting you know or (laughs) um but what is what was clever about william i think is that he quickly realized that good radio characters needed distinctive voices and i'm sure the listeners will understand that that you want to identify a character immediately and uh i um well, I did leave the Archers for a couple of years, not my time. You're, you're, you're getting ahead of yourself. Yeah, yeah, yeah I am. I've, okay. got, I've got to guide you through this. Uh, yeah, okay. We, right, we've, right. Got, we've got you for an, an hour and a half. and you're, you're racing ahead. You're racing ahead. So mm. um, you're a jobbing actor. You're, fr- you're, you're from West London. I'm still trying to work out how, <laughs> how, how you develop that wonderful voice if you, if you grew up in deepest darkest hounslow or or something or uh, no i did didn't i didn't i didn't i was i was born and brought no i was brought up in uh and my parents separated and i then went to just outside henley on thames which was very ambridge in those days and a lot of they all spoke like that didn't they really and and i do speak like this really and um you see i remember at rada now i'm names dropping but there's a very there was a, fa- a very famous actor in my year called jonathan price Mm. who your listeners will know and you will certainly and I was a bit embarrassed talking like I did so I cultivated a slightly phony you know London accent and Jonathan took me aside about the second year he said um CD I mean everyone called me CD he said why are you talking suddenly sort of sort of estuary and uh, I said well I don't know I'm not gonna get any work because I sound a bit he said the hang on to your voice because it'll get you work. And, uh, and Jonathan was right, of course, because um, I, I got Nigel by, by sounding 
Yeah, I, I, I slightly put on, I slightly did put on the voice of Nigel um, and accentuated slightly my own speaking voice. So, um, so when you were going, did you actually go for an audition or did they, you know, come and point the finger at you and say, oi, mush? You're, you're well, on. well, this wonderful character I was, I, I was playing uh, called Cholly in Major Barbara, who had wonderful lines like, I don't know, right is right and wrong is wrong. And that's all I see, honestly, father. And, he, and um, I got the phone call the next day. Funny enough, it was Vanessa Whitburn, I think, who'd see me on stage and, and told William, because Vanessa worked under William. Um, uh, shall we call him in? And then I nipped across to Pebble Mill and I did a scene with, I think it was with Paddy Green. And it's one of the few times in my life I, I thought, oh, I think I've got a good chance for this. I better start listening to this. And the phone came and I was, I was booked for five weeks. And then I thought, oh, well, it was fantastic. And then I thought I must be doing well because the local... Um, some affair of the National Childbirth Trust, if there is such a natural or national, I don't know, I think it's natural actually. Um, they wanted me to choose the prettiest baby, which is, of course, a terrible thing. But I was suddenly aware of all these women of all ages adoring me, saying, We just love your voice, we love you in the night in, in the arches. And I thought, mm -hmm. Well, this character, um, could run. And then I told my agent, Oh, I think I better leave and, and concentrate. And then William. Smithhurst wrote this wonderful letter to me and my agent and said, you must understand that Graham Seed was born to play Nigel Pargeter and stay in the arches. And that really rather, that moved me. Yeah. He thought, so, I'd, he thought I'd have a job for life. And then Vanessa Whitburn decided, kill Nigel. Yeah. There you go. <laughs> Let's come on to uh, Vanessa a, a little bit later. So, uh, what what exactly what was on that piece of paper? What exactly did they say that Nigel was um, in those mm -hmm. first six? Well, playing. Who were you playing? I was playing a an upper class extrovert show off, but I said I can't do that. And I, I was, I was quite. I mean, I'd, I'd, I'd worked with Mike Lee before, and I trained at RADA, and I said that um, there must be a vulnerability to Nigel, and um, I actually threw out War and Peace. You said he's a bit like Pierre Bazukov in War and Peace, or he's like some of the P.G. Woodhouse characters, who he's not quite of this world. He's, he's. He would be described as a slow learner now because he obviously got very few um, qualifications in his public school. Um, a bit like me, really, gosh. Uh, he, did, he did morph into me, but, but of course you know that and we'll talk about that later. Um, and I thought the one thing he must not be is repulsive, but I must be brave and take a chance and be a bit extreme. I mean, some people hated Nigel at first, um, um, but um, he, he then got talked about on the radio um, a lot. That wonderful, that wonderful Irishman who did Radio 2, whose name I, I, I've forgotten, of course, uh, uh, Terry Wogan. 
Mm. Terry Wogan talked about Nigel the whole time and said, what's that silly twerp getting up to next? I can't wait. And, and if you get thumbs up from Terry Wogan, which I did as a young actor, mm. you were going to stay in the program. And the writers liked writing. And William said, all my writers like writing for you. Did they like writing for you back then or did they like writing Nigel? Nigel. But then, of what, course... What, what was it about Nigel? Because the, the interesting thing that, which I've read about what uh, William Smethurst actually said about The Archers is that he said, this is a gentle comedy about the English class system, you know? And, and it's... And, and, and for me personally, it vindicates the fact that I think literally every week when I'm commenting on, on the arches, I mention class, you yes. know, and, and I rail that, that, that the poor Grundys are being, being oppressed. But, but to actually know that that was utterly within his, within his kind of view of what, what he was actually trying to do was actually it's complete and utter sense. Um, but what was it that they thought they saw in you? Because by the early 1980s, with the character of Nigel, sorry, early, by the early 1980s, the, the character of Nigel is somewhat uh, an anachronism almost within British society. You know, it's, mm. this is all Thatcher's new thrusting Britain and meritocratic and whatever, and, you know, the, the working class is pulling themselves up by, by their bootstraps type of thing. Um, but you kind of, the character echoed a bygone age, didn't he? You're so clever. That, that's absolutely right. And... And William realized that, that there was something feudal about Nigel. Um, um, that there was an innocence and a charm about him that he could talk to anyone. He wasn't like the Thatcher New Rich, like the Aldriches. Um, mm. he, was, he was a poor aristocrat who um, did silly jobs like trying to sell swimming pools and ice creams. Um, <laughs> he was a disaster at everything he tried um, until he met Lizzie, I think. Um, he, he did hunt and shoot, but then we sort of changed his character. And I had endless conversations with William because he, uh, um, he didn't, he hadn't been educated at a public school. And I said, no, no, look, you, you don't have to you know, put on that voice of you know, I say and all that. That's so. I was lucky that I, I, um, um, the best soap performances, and of course there are so many in the Archers, are the actors who make the characters totally real and care for them, and don't comment on them, just play them. And that, especially in the Archers, I think, opens up doors that you're. Um, unless you're putting on a voice which isn't yours, like Buffy does, for instance, she sounds different. You can um, have to tell us who Buffy is. Uh, yeah, who does Buffy play? Um, she plays um, Jolene. I've got my little notes here because it's so long since I was in it, you know. I don't listen all the time. I'm, I'm going to be very honest with the listeners that I catch it now and then. Um, it, it hurts too much to hear my children, you know, talk and I think they need their father and things like that. Sorry, that's another thing. Uh, but but, but um, no, I just cared desperately about Nigel and I wanted to um, I'll get that spontaneity 
Um, mm. And the writing was Ealing comedy. You, you were right, because William said, I wanted to have village characters that we all identified from villages and Ealing comedies. You know, those great black and white films and mm. uh, that Alec Guinness did, that um, they are types. And the joy of Smither scripts were that the whole thing had a light touch. He didn't do big issues. He did, he did relationships and ridiculously stupid things like very early on, Nigel had the hots for Shula and he climbed into the house up the drain pipe and finished up in Phil Archer's bedroom, which was bizarre. And I read the script. I said, this is, this is pushing it a bit, William. But I said, oh, you'll do it. You'll be very funny. We'll get in there and go, oh, gosh, I'm so sorry, Mr. Archer. I, I don't know what I'm doing in here. But when uh, he thought he'd, <laughs> he'd, he'd crept into Shula's bedroom. So even in those days, there was sex in the 70s or the 80s, the early 80s, wasn't the it? Early 80, 80s. 82, 82, 83. Yeah. So, but that was a really interesting time with the benefit of hindsight. Um, it must have been a really interesting time working on, on the Archers because by then, you you still had the old actors from the 50s, at least enough of them, when it very much was, uh, let's just literally just pull somebody out of rep or literally from the countryside because they sound like they're from the countryside. And there let's were more of those. Yes. There were, there were a lot of people who, would, who had never acted professionally, really. Um, I'm thinking of... of some name, I, um, Chris Gittings, who was Walter Gabriel. And mm. uh, I mean, I don't think that dear Chris had ever been a professional actor. Um, there were a lot of country and Walter Gabriel. I can't remember the actor who played Walter Gabriel, but, but he talked like that all the time. And, um, but I'm but, um, going back to what you said, if I can just add that it was a great time to be in the Archers because it was mm. a small cast. Everyone got work. That because the danger of soap, the, the success of the Archers has also in many ways been the hardest thing for it to deal with, that the cast gets bigger, the generations expand. And you've got a cast now that is almost too big to call the Archers family because there are some characters you never see. Was it very much, um, you know, a band of brothers back then? Was it, it was. it very much? It uh, was a family. Everyone had their seat in, in the read-through. It was at Pebble Mill. And uh, am I allowed to say this? Yes. It was fashionable to go to the BBC club and have mm. a, a bacon sandwich and even alcohol at lunch. And I used to go with Margot Boyd, Jack May, Mary Wimbush. These are the greats of radio drama and indeed and indeed, um you know your listeners will think of mrs antrobus jack may who played nelson gabriel with that very deep voice you said seed are we having a little libation and i said well, <laughs> i've got some scenes after lunch jack so i don't know just loosen the old you know and <laughs> no it was very special and, and those days after the recording <clears throat> Well, we used to amble and have a glass of wine and William used to join us. And I remember sitting down on a summer evening, a bit like um, tonight, and he'd been pleased with what I'd done. He said, I don't know what to do with Nigel. I might have to marry you to Shula. And I said, 
oh, for God's sake, don't marry me to Shula. <laughs> Please, God, don't, because he'll immediately become boring. A man is much more interesting if he's a bachelor. And anyway, how, however wonderful, and she's a wonderful actress, mm. um, Judy Bennett, she's a wonderful Shula. I personally think that Shula and Nigel would have been so dull. And um, I'm very glad that I said, what about, surely Shula's got a younger daughter, Lizzie, who's a still, can't we introduce her into the programme? And mm. we were allowed to throw in artistic ideas, which that is now. That is so interesting. I said, that's exactly the point I was, I was going to make. I'm really struck by actors of a real Archer's vintage. So last week we had on uh, Michael Lumsden. He's been playing Alistair for 23 plus years. So let's call it say, say 23 years. He has no idea uh, the direction of the character. He has absolutely zero input. But it's really interesting to hear that back then, there was a two-way dialogue between you and... Well, if you were one of William's favourites and his creations, yes, because I used to, I still do. I mean, one of my closest friends that I, I have maintained a friendship with is, is Trevor, who plays Eddie Grundy. Mm -hmm. and, 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 and we were William's boys. And we um, became great friends and did Panto together. And... Um, of course we threw in ideas. I mean, that all stopped when William left, but then he took me with him, of course, to Crossroads. That's another story. Well, then. And when yeah. I came back, Nigel was never quite the same because um, the programme had changed and it was more issue-led. And, and we had a new editor who was brilliant, who stayed for 20 years, who was, you know, Vanessa. And she had her own... Uh, favourite so, characters. So how long were you actually out, out of the show? Um, I was out of the show for three years and the writer Joanna Toy was largely responsible for getting me back um, mm -hmm. because I am, I am my naivety. William invited me across the road in Birmingham to ATV, to Central. And I thought, well, that's great. I can fit in an archer's, nip across the road, and play Charlie Mycroft in Crossroads. Mm -hmm. But of course the BBC threw a, a total hoo-ha and, and said I couldn't do both and I got fired. And they replaced me with an actor called Nigel Carrington, very good actor, but poor Nigel Carrington didn't really stand a chance because no one can sound like Graham Seed with his slight speech <laughs> impediment. And, and the listeners, God bless the listeners, I only did a year in Crossroads and then it shut down. So I thought, oh, blast, I've lost everything. I went into the West End and did a West End musical called Me and My Girl. And it was while I was doing that, there were murmurs that, you know, if you wanted to, you could come back. And Joe Toy, the writer, you know, Joanna Toy was dealing with, I think it, it was Vanessa, because Vanessa knew me and mm -hmm. she'd worked with me when I was you know, when we did radio plays. That, so, you know, that's so interesting, your, your story about the fact that you couldn't actually do the two because Louisa, who plays Helen Archer, is doing Corrie and the Archers. Now. Yeah, yeah, obviously. How um, times change. How, how times, times have changed. But even then, I was a bit annoyed because William got Trevor and Alison Dowling to, to make little guest appearances 
in Crossroads. I, I was I was heavily featured, but but um, it always seemed. Well, maybe they didn't like me wanting to get rid of it, but I thought, why am I being victimized? It's a bit like, again, why me when I get thrown off? I mean, you know, maybe I'm, um, no, actually, I think I'm a very good company man, so I'm, I'm slightly <laughs> sending myself up about this. So, but, but, it, but just, it has changed, hasn't it? Mm -hmm. it, it? It absolutely has. So in that time that you left, um, William Smethurst has, has, has left, obviously, he's taken you with him to, to Crossroads, but the culture had really palpably changed by then, had it, by the time you come back? In the programme? Yeah. Yeah, I think it probably had, because um, any, it's a bit like a new football manager, isn't it? You want to you know, stamp your style on a programme and introduce your characters. Um, but, but at the same time, you, you, have, to, you have to respect the characters that the listeners like and um it was fine i had some i had some lovely stories i eventually married lizzie and i but i was just aware that the humor that william was so brilliant at writing and creating was not there so much with with vanessa that um nigel pargido was not such an important character for her, I don't think. I mean, my favourite, I, th I think Jack May suffered too, and Jack was a wonderful actor, and his Nelson Gabriel was very lugubrious and, and popular, but he, he was slightly underused, I think, in these last five years. I, I, I would completely and utterly agree with you. When I came into the show, I came into, when I came to listen to the show, sorry, um, Marjorie Antrobus, she'd either, I think she'd just come. So she, the, 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 oh, the horsewoman, uh, the, the, the dog lady, the dog lady. Yeah, yes. exactly. She, she was very new. Then Linda Snell came afterwards. But I was just, I was always transported whenever I heard Nelson speak. I'm so glad. My favourite memories were sitting in Nelson's wine bar and they were very gentle scripts. And he said, Deb, oh, Nigel, you must pull yourself together. Why can't you settle down? I said, I'm, I'm so bored, Nelson. I said, let's, I can't get drunk again. And I just want to see Lizzie. And, and she won't come out with me. And it was like talking to um, your favourite uncle or, or old friend. And I had wonderful scenes in the wine bar with Nelson, who became a great friend. Jack May, who played Nelson, became a great friend. And... Um, that they became less and less, which is a great shame. And Mary, who mm. played Mummy, wonderful actress, I mean, she was a great friend of Jack's too. Um, it became politically incorrect to have a character in The Archers, a comic character with a drink problem. And I can understand that. So that side of Mary went, that side of Julia Pargita went, I think. I think... Uh, Graham, that's probably an opportune time for us to have a quick break and uh, we should uh, tell everybody to get out pencil and paper or maybe you've got something a little bit more technologically advanced. Maybe you've got your, your iPad or something another out. But it's time, folks, for the dum de dum quiz. Now, um, if you didn't know, um, uh, you, you're about to be told. 
Um, we actually have Graham for an hour and a half today. Um, I know that um, last week with Michael and also with Charlotte, uh, I thought things got a little bit truncated at the end. So you have an extra half an hour uh, of um, Graham Seed Fun. Now, um, let's get on with the quiz. Number one, it's our pitch around. I'm looking at you, Richard Wellham. I know that uh, you were the first person who logged on today, Richard. Now, remember, folks, on the pitch around, this is an archer's thing or person. Archer's thing or person. So what are you looking at here? Um, bunch of rocks, bit of snow. Mm, someone who could uh, maybe get down the gym a little and um, something which my grandmother used to like to put on bread there you go so um what is that archer's thing or person number two in our picture round this is an archer's thing or person have a look study what is that mountain animal there um i think we all know what's underneath it and um there's, there's some sportsmen doing their thing. And there's that celestial body. What is this archer's thing or person? We will come back to these later. And then the last one in the pitch around. Hmm. What is this? Again, it's an archer's thing or person. So we're looking at a coin. Uh, a racing car and uh, something from uh, ancient Egypt. Bit of a clue here if the images aren't cluing up. Have a look at that racing car and that might, might uh, give you um, a massive clue. Um, if you are American, you probably would have got this straight away. Okay, so that's the end of our pitch around. Now, we always have questions in honor of our guest so nigel partiter landed gentry of lua loxley don't you know how many actors have played nigel well if you've been listening to graham you can't have told you the answer here all right so is it number one one number two two or number three three how many actors have played the role of nigel you've been paying attention you've got the answer um, again, if you've been paying attention, Graham's also given us the answer to this one. What has Nigel not tried selling? Not tried selling swimming pools, ice cream, or the Borsetshire Gazette. So what did Nigel in these 28 years of being a character on the show, what did he not try selling? Was it swimming pools, ice cream, or the Borsetshire Gazette? I must admit, I started to do a little, little, some deep diving here. Um, Lower Loxley Wine was finally accorded what in 2008? Number one, regional wine status. Number two, is the Bortage Life Wine of the Year? Or number three, did Dylan Nels give it the accolade of the worst wine he had tasted in the Bortage Echo? Lower Loxley Wine got an accolade in 2008. Regional wine status, Borchett Life, Wine of the Year, or was it rubbished by Linda Snell? Uh, 
who was Nigel's best friend? Who was his bestie in the 1980s? And I must admit, I've forgotten about this character till I was doing my research yesterday. Was it Tim Beechwood, Tim Beecham, or John Beecham? Tim Beechwood, Tim Beecham, or John Beecham? If you've been listening uh, for a few years, that'll ring bells, that'll ring bells. Julia, or Joan, was the name of Nigel's mum. But what was the name of his father? Was it number one, Julian, number two, Tim, number three, Gerald? So Julia was his mum. We all remember her. But can we remember the name of his father? Looking at you, Dusty. I know, you, I know you're going to get this, Dusty. Was it number one, Julian, number two, Tim, number three, Gerald? What year did Nigel marry Lizzie? 1993, 1994, was it 1997? I'll be honest with you, I think these are the, the toughest questions I've actually uh, posed in this quiz. How would you like to look five years younger? In a clinical study, people that had volume added with Juvederm Voluma XC in the cheeks perceived themselves as looking five years younger at six months after treatment. Look younger, feel like you. Add volume for lift and contour in the cheeks with Juvederm Voluma XC. Reverse signs of aging by adding volume to smooth laugh lines with Juvederm Volure XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science, with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. This is Paige, the co-host of Giggly Squad, and I want to tell you about a company that I've been loving, Olive and June. Olive and June gives you everything that you need for a salon-quality manicure in one box. And if you break it down, it really comes out to $2 a manicure, which is absolutely insane. It's also so easy to get salon-worthy nails at home with Olive and June. The difference between how your nails used to look when you did them yourself and now with the Manny system is a complete game changer. The best thing about Olive and June, too, is it's a quick dry. Dries in about one minute, lasts for five days, and full coverage in up to one to two coats. Visit oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. That's oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. And then the last question, Joe Grundy had a business proposition for Nigel that involved Bartleby 
and his trap. What was it? Number one, that lower locks in his cell, Sidey Grunder. Side, Grundy Cider, sorry. Number two, Joe offered Bartleby for Nigel's green weddings. Or is it number three, that Bartleby's manure could be used for lower Loxley wine? Now, I, I must admit, I, I, do, I do remember this. I remember this very well. I'll read it again. Joe Grundy had a business proposition for Nigel that involved Bartleby and his trap. And I remember he uh, got Bartleby all dressed up in his, in his finery, lots of ribbons and whatever, took him along to Lower Loxley. But what was the proposition that Lower Loxley sell Grundy cider? Number two, Joe offered Bartleby for Nigel's green weddings. Or number three, that Bartleby's manure could be used for Lower Loxley wine. We will come back at the end of the show and uh, we'll give you the answers as I admit a couple more late stragglers. Um, your relationship, you, on that final scene, and we're not going to talk about you being pushed off the roof by by David, by, by your brother-in-law. All right, we're not going to talk about that yet. But it was interesting listening back, Graham, to that last scene. And very obviously you are signing off because you said, you know what, David, I've had um, the love of two amazing women in my life. Yes. That was obviously Lizzie and your mother, Julia, mm-hmm. Joan. Um, describe your off air and then on air relationship with your mother first. The woman who played your mother, sorry. Uh, Mary Wimbush. She, she was mm. a very, very great friend of mine. I adored her. Um, I'd actually suggested, why don't we have Mary? Uh, um, kind of, I mean, you know, that was another suggestion I actually made um, to William. Why can't we have, have Mary Wimbush? Now, she was a wonderful, a wonderful actress and personality. And it's very interesting. She wouldn't take any... She got a bit annoyed with some of the young members in the cast if they didn't study and and work on their scripts. But because we all sit around and do a reading, you know, before mm-hmm. we go into the studio, and she used to mutter saying, "What is it? They're so damn lazy. Some of these, some of these kids. They don't. It looks like they never open the script before they get there." And that's just old school. But she was such a professional, um, and. Uh, she was a close friend of you know, Tim Bentinck too, and uh, no, I, I would have done anything for Mary. Yeah, she was um, a wonderful lady. She was one of those actors who gave you something. A lot of radio actors don't really look at you; they're just feeding off the script. But she used to suddenly clutch and hold your hand, and um, and be very physical. Um, and yeah. I take it she'd come from a kind of rich repertory kind of history. Yeah, she was a good theatre actress. But before she joined the Archers, she was one of the greats of radio drama. Yeah, she had done great, famous radio productions. Um, 
Um, I'm, I'm, she had a reputation that none of the cast of The Archers came near to, except for Jack May, in uh, radio acting pedigree. I so I was very lucky. I mean, Jack and her were the creme de la creme of radio actors. They taught me so much. I think one of the things which we've been criminally underserved with um, since the passing of Nigel is really the effect it it's had on Elizabeth. Yes, um, this, we've had storylines now involving Nigel's children and them in different ways going off the rails. So um, with your son, it was drugs. He, he, he missed that father figure. And then uh, with Lily, um, she's very obviously gone for a father figure substitute. She has a much older boyfriend. But the loneliness of Elizabeth, I don't really think has been investigated as much as it could have been because I've... you get a re listening to old episodes, you got a real sense that the relationship between Nigel and Elizabeth was a real one. You know, there was utter you adored her no question <laughs> and she adored you and um it was, it's really it's really quite quite touching when we spoke earlier on this week and i said to you um give me um you know give me your talking points and so, and a lot of your talking points, which you wanted to talk about today, were the relationships with, with the actors. And, and I think it's not by accident that you had this magical on-air marriage with somebody who you adored as a human being. She was a great friend of yours. Yes. Um, shall I tell you a little story? Go on. Well, that, that I had with Ali, with our working relationship, and it was, it, it, it was a working relationship. Sometimes in the arches, the scenes are a little bit dull and ordinary. Now, we used to play a game with each other. It's a little bit rude, this, but I think we're allowed to say it. We used to say, shall we play this scene? Is it either post or pre-intercourse? <laughs> and we wouldn't tell anyone. It was, if there was a tiredness and a relaxation, we'd just had sex. Or if there was an excitement, we would play the scene thinking, oh, I really fancy you and, I, and, and let's go to bed together after this scene. And it was a game that we played and didn't tell anyone else. And I think it, it obviously, it showed that we loved each other as Nigel and Lizzie. And I remember those scenes in which I used to say, oh, Lizzie, I do love you. And... And the listeners believed it, didn't they? I mean, it was great. And we had a great, a great working relationship. And I don't think it's very hard for the writers and the editor now, because you know what? It's a little bit arrogant of me to say this. There is no replacement for Nigel that is good enough for the listeners to have, you know, Lizzie. It's very hard for Lizzie to get a good enough man. So that's why they should bring back me and I should play Nigel's 
long lost brother or something. <laughs> I'm slightly facetious, but so many people have had this suggestion that, mm. that um, you know, why can't this long lost relation? Um, but yeah, thank you. We, we, we did enjoy working together. You, you are still upset about the character's death, aren't you? Yeah. Um, I mean, I quite understand that I would, um, they can get rid of people, but normally in the arches, there is a rule that they let actors, unless if an actor wants to leave, that's fine. They get recast. But if they're a, an important character, you have the decency to let them live their life out. And I, I had no grounds to think that, and it would be arrogant of me to think that, that I was one of those actors, but I actually thought so because um, William inferred, you'll always be Nigel. Mm. And I couldn't see any, um, I mean, yeah, yeah. I mean, I did the job as best as I could. And I asked, why am I going? Well, it was for the story. Um, but um, I never really said goodbye to anyone. I wasn't allowed to say goodbye because they were so scared of it being leaked. Um, when, when did you hear that Nigel's for the chop and how did you hear? I heard there was a message on my mobile. I was working at RADA on the audition panel and at the end of the day, it said phone Vanessa. I thought that's strange. And I was... Oh, when would this have been, Graham? It was obviously... November the 5th. It was okay. November the 5th. Mm. And, 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 I'm, and my last uh, studio day was about three weeks later, because as you know, we record about a month in advance and I was killed off. So I had that wonderful week of, of the pantomime and I gave my, some of my most committed, relaxed acting I've ever done in the programme. Um, as the dame and things. But yeah, I was, I had to phone on my mobile and Vanessa said, um, look, I've got some news for you. Um, um, it's very exciting. Um, there's a really big story that involves you. And, uh, and like any freelance actor, you think oh, that's, that's a lot of work. That's great. Um, and uh, she said, we're going to kill you off. And I was surprised. Uh, I said, oh, why? Um, well, it's the 60th. And as you know, you haven't been paying attention, you know, hinting that I, I should have known there was a big thing. And, um, and I, I said, I said how, how, how are you going to kill Nigel? I said, and he said, oh, well, it's very exciting, but the script will be brilliant. You're going to be, uh, there's going to be an accident on the roof. Um, and um, I then had the most lonely walk through the West End of London coming to terms with this. And I was under a strict, understandable rule that I wasn't allowed to tell anyone. I said, what, not my agent? Of course I could, I could tell my agent. And I told it he's my wife, but uh, we were under strict secrecy. And um, I don't, I think, I should have at least been taken after rehearsals one day and told face to face. Mm. I think it would have been after 28 years. Uh, I mean, a mobile conversation isn't quite. 
and they wanted to, and the BBC wanted to organize my um, um, publicity, but I decided I wanted to do my own, you know. Mm. Uh, no, I mean, it was a really awful, it was very hard saying goodbye. And that last studio, it was a very cold, we didn't finish until nine o'clock at night. And, uh, and Tim was very upset. I still think that David Archer should have been um, arrested by the police, by the way, for uh, <laughs> manslaughter. But, um, but, but the uh, police in Ambridge are obviously very laxed. <laughs> <laughs> well, Harrison Burns, he, he's hopeless. Absolutely. I don't know if yeah, he was the actual yeah. policeman back, back then in 2011. Mm. Maybe, maybe, I don't think Harrison had, had got there yet, but yeah. I was surprised at all the, at all the publicity, but then I got, I mean, you listeners, I, I can't tell you how many texts and emails and everyone thought it was a bad mistake, you know, blah, blah, but I, I went for it. I mean, in many ways as an actor, if you are going to be killed, if you are going to leave a soap, leave it with a lot of publicity. I mean, it's worse for actors who still think they're in the programme, but they haven't had an episode for three or four yeah. years. And I'm sure that happens. And um, I at least um, was marketable and, and, and the theatre opened me with open arms. What was worse? Um, was it the fact that you just felt, dare I say, disrespected? You know, it wasn't just the case that they're axing this character that you've put, you know, blood, sweat and tears into for, for 28 years. It was the way you were told as well. Oh, I don't know. I mean, I, um, I, it's very interesting that in the first time in my life, I, I picked up a few awards and, and I, I, I got a lot of respect from my peers. I, I still... I never got a single letter from anyone at the BBC thanking me for 28 years, um, which would have been nice. I got nothing from the, I, the, the day I left Vanessa kindly threw sandwiches and coffee, or maybe a glass of BBC white wine or something, which I wouldn't have taken because we hadn't finished recording. And, um, and, and she said a few words and gave me a present. And the present was, a photograph of me and Ali and the two young children who had just been cast as my children. And it was framed and um, very nice to have, but I'm, I'm, you know, I'm not quite sure. <laughs> um, it, it was just, uh, there was nothing, there was no, everyone was very sweet, but, but there is something nobody can. Um, do, you think, do you think that, the other actors, if we put Vanessa to one side for now, the other actors, it must make them feel incredibly uncomfortable because on on the one hand, it makes them realise that doesn't matter how secure they think they are in their role, that they're not. And they don't want to rock the boat as well, do they? No, it's very well put. I, I, I think that there were actors in tears. I mean... Um, because a lot of actors were worried that they were going to be the one who was killed. And um, but Colin Skip, dear Colin Skip, who sadly is no longer with us, who played Tony Archer, he was crying. And he said, I thought they were going to kill me off. Um, I'm so sorry, it's you. And um, there was a lot of talk that 
one of the girls that, that Helen was going to be killed off. And and she's a sweet and she's a lovely actress. And 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 she hugged me and said, I thought it was going to be me. Um so that the the actors were um surprised that um yes, it was not easy and and Tim, um, I mean my friend Tim Benting, was was angry, terribly angry about it. And uh, it, and uh, you know, it's not nice just to um you accept as an actor a good death. I mean, we you know, we all want to play Hamlet because because he dies on stage. That sort of it's very but you know falling off the roof and 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 we laughed a lot as we recorded it. But um, um, it was quite hard for the cast, very hard for Alison um, mm. because because she knew that all she'd be playing for the next six months is grief anyway. Um, and uh, but that's quite hard to sustain, isn't it? Mm. Um, but but you know it it happened. <clears throat> um, I was I was jolly lucky to play Nigel, but um, it it certainly was. Um, not many people, and 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 I'll say this that revisiting Birmingham at various times, I've always gone in and said hello to the girls in the office and, and the directors and no names, but at least three said, um, yes, I said you shouldn't be killed off. You know, it, it wasn't me. There was a lot of, it wasn't me. It wasn't me. So I'm mm. not quite sure who decided that Nigel should be killed off because no one admitted it. Mm. Um, you know, it's one of those, it's one of those weird things and i and i've sat down and i have pondered this a little in the, in the last 24 hours but there was a there was an anniversary it was the 60th birthday of the archers and they wanted to have um an event um to c celebrate commemorate whatever the heck the the adjective is that but that didn't put any bums on seats. Now, like the Robin Helen storyline, as much as I think it went on way too long, mm -hmm. you can understand strategically what they're trying to do. Let's say a younger audience, we need to churn because the, let's be honest about it. At the, at the one end of the audience listening a demographic, the Archers fans are getting older. Yeah. And it's just like bringing in new, new younger characters. You always need some new younger characters to represent life, but also in terms of marketing so that younger listeners can identify with them. But killing you off achieved what? I keep on saying you. Killing Nigel <laughs> achieved what? It was a headline or two in the Daily Mail. It's not going to put particularly many more bums on seats yeah. at all, you know, Sean O'Connor's next radios. Sean O'Connor, who, as you know, was a director. He was the editor of the Archers after Vanessa, I think. I mean, mm -hmm. he told me, and indeed the National Press, that it was cultural vandalism killing off Nigel because there was no one, no one like him. There wasn't this old school aristocrat. There was mm -hmm. no one that the writers could, uh, and, and he actually, he called it cultural vandalism. And uh, he was very kind, actually. He, 
got me back for the trial scene. You know, do you remember Helen's? Yes, I, I do. Um, I, 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 Graham, I'm going to be honest with you. You didn't exactly disguise your voice too much. I <laughs> tried so hard. <laughs> Obviously, it was you. Oh no! Well, you know, I did my best, but I, I, I'm, I don't come across many. Um, um, he was a manager of um, a factory that killed animals, and I, I, I tried to flatten my voice a bit and talk like that, but I. I had a good attempt at it, you know. It's, um, well, it was very kind and it was wonderful working with may, uh, may, Maybe it was because um, we, we were told that you actually were there. So my yeah. ears were extra especially attuned. Uh, to, to, it was to a bit unfair that, I mean, that, you know, that everyone else could use their own voice. I mean, Nigel Havers was, was in the scene. Mm. And I just done a play with Nigel. And I thought, well, you know, it's all right for you, chum. You can sound like Nigel. And... And I'm the guy that the audience are waiting to hear as Nigel because I'm back from the dead as this. But what do I do? Try and I just thought, well, I'm an actor and I'm going to try and sound like someone who was who, who was the bigger type was playing. And mm. um, yeah, it was it didn't. I'm not sure if it was meant to fool anyone, but it was very nice to be there. Mm. So um, tell us about life after Nigel. Oh. Lots of theatre. I, I feel like I'm a Buddhist saint. Yes, I know. It's a life after. Life after. Life after, life after yeah. I, well, <laughs> well, you know what? I mean, first of all, I had to get through Nigel's funeral on the radio, and um, mm. and 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 everyone everyone crying and talking about what a wonderful guy Nigel was, or eccentric. And and I was literally, I was. You all laugh because it, yes, it was. It was Chelsea. It was the King's Road sort of Nigel land. I was driving. I had to pull the car over. Because I, I welled up with emotion. I thought, this is, this is bizarre. I'm listening, I'm listening, you know, to my funeral. Um, but, um, no, I, I did a wonderful Emlyn Williams play called Accolade of the Fimbra, uh, that, uh, and I played a real baddie. Which, Graham, which Graham, like. let me just quickly, quickly jump in. Yeah. Did you actually cry at all? When, when, uh, when you got the news and you went home, did you cry? Uh, yeah, um, I I had to. I, I I was shocked, and I had to actually. And I'm no, I, I'm not a mental problem, but half of me had died, and I had to grieve my my alter ego, which. It sounds a bit pretentious, but it is true. I suffered from a depression. And um, I had to have a little bit of help about that because I helped myself by setting up a one-man show called Don't Call Me Nigel. Because the BBC said, you, you can't call yourself Nigel Partington because, it's, because we own the character. So I did a little... I did about eight performances of a show called um, um, Don't Call Me Nigel. And I did a bit of P.G. Woodhouse, I, uh, a bit of Winnie the Pooh, lovely poems about the countryside. And <clears throat> I talked about Lakey Hill. And uh, I, I put Nigel to bed like that, I think. It, it, it sounds quite... But, but um, uh, uh, some performances, actors... When the show finishes, they take their clothes off and they say, thank God I don't have to play that old bugger again. 
I'm, I'm sick of him. I've done him. I've ticked the box. But some you become very fond of and you um, think, you know, it'll be sad saying goodbye to that one. And Nigel was certainly one of those. Yeah. What effect did it have on Denise, your wife? Um, <clears throat> well, she had to put up with me, I think. Um, no, she was incredibly supportive, but she, but she was aware that um, there was, you, you have to deal with the press and be very positive. And um, I, I hope that that happened. I, I had to look on the good things and I'd had a good run. But um, <clears throat> I, think, I think she was more angry than I was. That, and, and she gets very emotional. I mean, she can't listen to the screen. She gets terribly upset. And that wonderful bit of film that you did introducing you know, my interview, I'm so proud of. I'm, I'm thrilled to hear those scenes again. It's like when it happened, there was a wonderful friend of mine on Facebook, a musician who made a film with beautiful music and Nigel and another stately home with dogs running around. And it was haunting. And I, I used to play that at my one-man show. So it's jolly nice to revisit, Nigel. And thank you for this opportunity. Oh, listen, well, thank you for, for agreeing to come on. Um, well, folks, it, it's that time when I throw out uh, the questioning duties to you, the good dum-de-dum uh, public. So um, if you have a question for Graham, um, why don't you uh, wave now and sure. I will come to you. Um, so I'm looking at everybody. Uh, well, wait a minute. So, oh, all right, Richard, you wanted to speak, uh, I think, last week as well. You're on, Richard. Go for it, sir. I've got a silly, simple question. After the tragedy of the fall from the roof, uh, social media went crazy speculating on how high the roof was. Scientists, mathematicians, architects all decided to time the length of the screen and work that into a distance. I'd just love to know how tall was the roof and the man that fell off the roof should be able to tell us. <laughs> well, Richard, that's a lovely question. Yes, a lot of people thought that screen went on too long um, yes. because it did. But I suppose that's a theatrical license. I mean, it's that's 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 the sort of Hitchcock thing. I have no idea how tall that. But I mean, but certainly the screen was far too long. But um, I I did I did I did two takes, and um, no one. And Vanessa never told me to bring it down, so that was it. But a good question, and I can't really answer it. And and thank you. Um, I, I need more hands a waving. All right, um, Ed from Ed from Margate. Hello, sir. It, it's Hello. a person who works in in the cabinet office. Yeah, yeah. yeah you're proper. You are. Uh, you're <laughs> on, sir. Ask your question, Ed. Thanks. Hi, Graham. Um, I Hi, was Ed. just wondering, what do you think Nigel would have made of Lily getting with Russ? And also of uh, Freddie's uh, sort of slightly wayward behaviour. Well, he'd be terribly upset. I mean, uh, Freddie especially. Uh, well, they both. I mean, um, they. I mean, Nigel should have been there. You see, and that wouldn't have happened because Nigel was a very good dad, I think. And uh, I mean, this is a classic. I'm not quite sure what's happened to Lily because is she still in love with an older man? Yes. 
Yes, thank you very much. Yeah, and 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 I don't think Lizzie approves of that. No, I mean he's, he's desperately needed, and the son has has sort of come round. He he he's starting to behave better, isn't he? I mean he must be a good chap. I mean um, they they don't sound like me at all. But never mind, we won't go on about that. But um, I, I, I think the the character of Freddie, I think is being really well fleshed out and plotted in that um, he is a younger version of, of a Nigel. He's not oh, good. an exact clone, but he does feel somewhat, um, you know, he has a slight plummy voice um, and he wants and, and to he's have been a bit lost. like his father yes, did, but yes. in very different ways. Yes, exactly. That's exactly. very good. That's very good. So that's, that's great. And I'm sure the writers have all that background that um so i have no doubt that freddie will come good because nigel did um oh and i mustn't mention the name of the character because it's one of the questions in your questions but his best friend did they did dreadful things together and and they stole cars and they hit the town and and nigel even spent a night in in a cell as a young man mm. so freddie's a, a chip of the old block but um, underneath all that, there's a terrible loneliness for Freddie, I think, because he and Nigel would have really been a good father-son, I think. Mm. We, we, we are lacking that. Um, yeah. Um, right. More questions, folks. We've got extra time. Right. Pat Brown, I'm coming over to you. There you go, Pat. You're on. Hi. Hello. Hello. Hi, oh, Pat. It's so lovely to hear you. Oh, um, thank you. I'm not the only person that thinks this, I know, but I will voice it anyway on behalf of the many who do. I think it would have been a wonderful thing if you had fallen off the roof and, and, and survived, but had been in some way disabled. Yes. Because what a wonderful story and opportunities. How would you have felt about playing that? Oh, I would have been very excited. I, I think that, I, I think what you've said is, is at, uh, um, what a lot of people have thought. And uh, that was, but that was so a, but that was a story and a journey that has been lost. I know. I, I think they've made a big mistake. But you can't go back when someone dies. Can you? No. you can't go no. back. It's such a shame. And you know, when they had the explosion, and we all were all listening, we were all so frightened that Linda was going to die or somebody was going to die because of what happened to you. I think we thought these so and sos will kill off people at the drop of a hat. And they shouldn't. They should consult us first. <laughs> <laughs> yes. <laughs> All right. Um, thank you for that, Pat. Rosie McGlynn. Well, I'm going to come to you next, Rosie. I'm going to go to Sue England first. Sue, you're up. Make it a good one. Hi there. It's really more of an observation in that uh, we always loved uh, the Nigel character and on uh, one of the Facebook groups, um, whenever you're referred to, it's with the abbreviation OMPN, which stands for Oh My Poor Nigel. I don't know if you <laughs> noticed, but last week, uh, sadly, Monty Don's dog, Nigel, the, the, the gardener from yes. the world, he died. And in a couple of Facebook groups, not necessarily related to the archers, it was referred, he was the dog, was referred to as OMPN. <laughs> So you live on. <laughs> I do. I do through that lovely yeah. dog. That's a nice a dead story. Dog. <laughs> yes. Yeah, thank you. All right, Rose. I love the performance. Thank you. Rosie, you're on. You go for it. Thank you. And 
great to see you again, Graham. Thanks, Rosie. Good to see you. We've missed you in the Archers. It was really a question about, um, would Nigel have any tips for Lizzie in terms of a post-COVID-19 tourism lockdown? And any sort of, you know, any innovations that Nigel would have been thinking about um, while he's been, you know, meandering around maybe the vineyard? Gosh. No, I mean, I mean, Lower Locks has got, I mean, it, it's always been up against it financially. And I, I believe that this has been doing really well. Uh, no, I mean, this could be, this could be a nail in the coffin for Lower Locksley. I mean, at the moment, I'm terrified about my industry because, because the whole of the entertainment, I mean, the theatre and television and, and even radio, I mean, I know the Arches is coming back and it's single people in lockdown, but <clears throat> however good the actors are, it's a quite hard work for them just talking to themselves, you know, uh, their own thoughts. I mean, I mean, drama needs, needs relationships, doesn't it? Um, what's going to happen to Lowell Oxley? I'm very glad that I don't have to think about that. I can't, you know, what do you think is going to happen? Well, I think there's potentially something around um, more localised tourism. So I think what we're going to see is that um, people in the UK are hopefully going to stop taking international flights as much as they have been doing, Mm. um, that we're going to have more ecotourism. And potentially we could have, you know, a bit of the, um, you know, Kate's Hermes and Hippie Brigade maybe branching out into doing some stuff at Lower Loxley. So a bit more of the eco tourism world because there is that kind of there has been a bit of a transformation in people's attitudes towards travel and mm. so there could be a you know in terms of like a linda snell reference like a was it resurgam her random stone she had so there could be something around creating a really amazing environmental um linkage into localized tourism and maybe a bit of the rewilding folk could get engaged but what I'm really hoping is that Justin Elliott gets hit by COVID and we can get rid of him and then <laughs> can move forward. <laughs> no comment, but thank you. Yes. <laughs> All right. Um, Wave, if you've got a question for Graham. All right. Jojo Sexy, as I live and breathe. Now, uh, just before uh, Jojo goes on uh, and gives us our question, I'm trying, oh, try not to mute you there, the, the, the button there's, uh, Jojo, um, I've never said this um, on the show before, and I can't unmute you, Jojo. Um, but Jojo um, is uh, a listener who's very close to my heart because before I actually started Dum Dee Dum, I did, I did um, an Archer's Meetup tweet up, and 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 that's when I met Jojo. So before Dum Dee Dum, we were Archer's buddies. Um, you should be unmuted now, Jojo. Go for it. Um, hi, Roy Phil. Very sweet of you to say so. Um, my question for, for Graham, who luckily I met at that Dumpty Dum do we did about four or five years ago. Oh, in the um, pub? Yeah. In yeah, the pub. there's a lovely yeah. photo of you guys together. Yeah, I remember. I remember. Hey. How nice to see um, you again. And to you. Um, oh. Graham, I'd love to know if you were to match Lizzie up with somebody else in the Archers, who would it be? Oh, oh it's, it's a really good question. I, I, I don't think there's anyone, you know. There's, there's, there's no one. Um, who do you think? And then I will give my comment on, on your choice. <laughs> I'm throwing um, it to you, you see, because I can't, 
Um, My personal view is that Julia had a fling many years ago, and there is a Nigel twin out there, and he's come back in as part of the of the of the dialogue somewhere along the line with these rolling uh, dramatic players that have come from Jolene's side. And I, I would could not agree with you. I could not agree with you more. That's what we need because. And then maybe I could audition for him and slightly change my voice. And then we'll get some fun because at the moment you can't have, you can't have a doctor. Uh, no, no. Bring back someone that I can audition for because he's got to, he's got to be familiar. But you think he reminds me of someone. I wonder who he could remind me of, I think. Good choice. Nice to see you again. Brilliant. Let's hope Kerry Davis is listening in then. Let's hope so. all right Uh, we still have um a little bit of time for some more questions so i'm going back through i'm scrolling through right and uh let's so so oh it's my podcasting wife my my second wife it's claire asprey you're up claire go for it hi um hi one of my enduring mysteries about uh the archers is um why no one talks about Lewis. I mean, you had a very kind of famous and glorious death. And yet Lewis isn't officially dead, but I think someone has bricked him into a wall somewhere at Lower Loxley. And I just wondered if you had any views about whether or not he genuinely is still alive. And if so, what the hell is he doing? It's so ghastly, isn't it? It's so ghastly when they just forget about a character. And, and that poor actor probably waits, as I did sometimes, have they forgotten about me? Um, do you think... I'm, I think I'm alive. Have they killed my character? Not tell me. But Lewis, um, well, I never really knew what Lewis, who he was when I had scenes with him. And (laughs) it it, it all seemed very strange. Hello, Lewis. Now, I can't even remember who he was, but I mean, he he sort of ran the place a bit, didn't he? He was your mother's boyfriend, wasn't he? Oh, that's right. Thank you. He was my mother's boyfriend. No, they got married just before she died. They got married. Yeah. Yeah. What what is he still doing around there? Because he doesn't know lower. I I I think Nigel was the only person who inherited. Strange, strange. Very good question and hysterical. You could make a sitcom about <laughs> Lewis, couldn't you? Well, Lucy could. Oh, Lucy could. Yes. <laughs> Um, is there another question? Uh, we haven't had an, an American ask a question. Well, thank you, Mr. Lonnie Bihar. You, um, you, sir, are up with a spoon. Go. Thank you. Greetings from the upper, lower, east, west side Hi. Uh, of New York. Fantastic. How fun. I love New York. Fantastic. <laughs> Great. Well, come and visit. Come, not come at the and moment. Visit. We'll take you out. Not at the not moment. Not at the moment. But you I, know, know I just love it. <laughs> Excellent. I just wanted to remind people that um, you know the 60th was also the culmination of Helen's surrogacy, you know, and that was a very dramatic storyline. Yes. And and that's why and she was ill during the pregnancy, and it was the same day that she gave she birth had the, to Henry. So there was a birth and a death, wasn't it? In right, same. exactly. So that was part of the drama of it. And to think that Henry survived. And Nigel died. Just want to put the, all of that out. That makes um, me feel so much better. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> but I, I was just also wondering uh, what you're, Graham, what you're doing during social isolation and, 
and hibernation at home? How are you spending your time? Well, I do a bit of headspace in the morning, relaxation. I get asked to do Zoom play readings, which are very difficult because we, we get a script and, and you miss. If you're reading a play in a room, you can pick up vibes, laughs and things. It's very difficult. Um, I had a play reading this week for India because I went to India last year with The Mousetrap by Agatha Christie. And um, we're seeing if there's any way we can, we can do a play on Zoom. What else am I doing? I read children's stories that go out on YouTube. But basically, I'm not... Funnily enough, I'm, cool, I'm quite cool because, because normally when you're out of work, and actually quite useful, you're thinking, why aren't I getting a phone call from my agent? But we're all in the same boat. And, um, you know, we're just, we've got to stay healthy. That's the important thing. Exactly. And good luck to you, sir. Thank you for the question, Mr. Witherspoon. Um, all right, let's have a couple more questions. And then it's going to be, hello, Anne, you're up, Mrs. All right. There you go. Hello, is that me? It certainly is That's you. you Anne. Hello. I just love the character Freddie. Um, oh, good. It's wonderful. Not everybody does. I've already I've been on. A wonderful actor. I wonder what you think of your air. Well, we've been talking about Freddie, and um, yeah, I'm. I, I'm so glad that um, he's so popular with you because he wasn't. He's a very good young actor, and he's getting the vulnerability of, of the mistakes that he's made in life, and he's growing up. And, and believe me, if, if one believes in genes, um, his, father will, his father's goodness will shine through in him once he settles down. But you see, Nigel used to do so many stupid things, and he used to drunk and play games. He never grew up. He was a Peter Pan. And I hope that Freddie will grow up a bit quicker. Thank you. Just I tell you, very, uh, thank you for the question there. And uh, just talking about playing games just reminded me that um, in the last few years uh, of Nigel uh, in Ambridge, he had a great relationship with Kenton. Oh, yeah. That friendship, I completely Bought. I completely bought that. You're two peas in a pod. Yeah. And you see, it's like what you kindly said beforehand. Um, there's Atters. I call him Atters, but he, he is, he's Richard Attlee. He's, he's, he was a friend. So we did that thing that is sadly not happening any longer. It's happening less and less because no one has any time. That we used to go for a beer or a curry after recording if we were both up at the same time. And, um, and we bonded. And we became very good friends. Now, I think it probably helps in your work if you're having a good time and you enjoy scenes with your, that you're playing with someone, you know. And um, we, in, we certainly enjoyed working together. Mm. Yeah, you've you, you really got a sense of that. And I must admit, I didn't pay attention to too much at the time, but going back and listening to old episodes, uh, you re really do get the sense of that. And, and when I cut together that promo, yeah, great. that great scene where uh, it, I think it was night before. We were highwaymen at one stage. 
payment was due to get married and yeah. taking him out for, for yeah, it, it, it was just great it, it was it was utterly great and very believable All right, i think we've got time folks for one more question uh so um do not waste the time. Um, so I'm looking at everybody. Right. You know what I'm going to do? Right. I'm just going to land on somebody. <laughs> and it's somebody who, um, right, Carolyn Cooper. Yes, you. You're going, why not? Hello, Carolyn. Come on, you well, can think of something. I have actually got something. I'm thinking about the Freddie thing still and about um, how good I think the Archers is at um, the children are what you would expect them to be, given the parents they've got. Uh-huh. And do you remember when Freddie was um, taking drugs as well as dealing them? And he was taking, I think it might have been something a bit like Ritalin or something like that. And suddenly he was able to study. And I wondered at the time whether he had some kind of condition to do with attention and you said earlier that you thought Nigel might not have had very good learning skills and I'm just wondering if they've got both of the characters have got some kind of hereditary condition that makes it difficult for them to learn and makes it difficult for them to concentrate and that's why they're so exciting. That's very very interesting and I think you're probably right. Do you think? that's a very, very good, very good ob- observation uh, there, Carolyn. See, you didn't waste your opportunity, did you? You were there. Yeah. I said I was coming to you, and you're like, no, 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 and you're not the ball <laughs> out the park. That's the most <laughs> insightful observation of the, of the whole evening. Um, I, I'm quickly, I'm just going to quickly say, um, I have to say a big, quick, big ups to uh, Mary Ellis, Rosie Taylor, and. And Lisa Cosma, who um, are watching us on YouTube and they've been uh, le- leaving little messages. Uh, Nigel went cuckoo. Do you remember when? There's a, a question from Rosie Taylor there, Graham. Gosh, that was early on, I think. Well, I, I, yes, he was. He, he must have been flirting with one of the um, girls he was going out with and going cuckoo, cuckoo. Um, can she tell me? Because I think I've forgotten. Uh, well, let, let's see if she um, uh, fires back a message. But I know Rosie, she's, she's hardcore archers from way back. So it probably ah, is uh, way yes, back in the day. Way back. Um, Anna Lisa Cosma says, you were part of my growing up years. I started a free local newspaper in Kent when you married Lizzie. Ah. was fascinated by her scoop in the Borchester Echo. Miss your fun and cheerfulness. And that's from <laughs> Anna, Anna Lisa Cosma, who I know because I met at the WWE meetup. She's in Toronto in Canada. Oh, great. Thank you, Anna Lisa. That's, that's lovely to hear that. Thank you. It's nice making people happy, isn't it, when you did something? Yeah. Oh, well, well that's, what, that's what your character did. I, I must admit, right, uh, and I, f- I feel dreadful saying this, right, Graham, but I was never actually a fan of Nigel. Right. But I'm going to be honest, it was because I'm too much of an old socialist. I was just like <laughs> down with the top. <laughs> that, that, that was me. Right. No. Um, <clears throat> but that's very actually... interesting. That's very interesting. But you see, I, I think that Nigel had socialistic thoughts all the time. And one very socialistic actor came up to him. He's called Brian Glover. God bless him. He's a very famous actor. Mm. He said, I can't believe it, you know. 
you're the only bloody Tory that I've ever liked. <laughs> because, because he used to listen, he used to listen to the archers. And um, it, it, you shouldn't, we shouldn't, because he would have, there was a storyline once that should he send his children to the local schools or should he send them private? And um, I had, I knew what Nigel would do, but I wasn't invited to throw in my suggestions. Mm -hmm. um, but um, I thought, well, well, I know my character. And uh, mm. yeah, yeah. Very last question from me, sir. Um, the the Nigel that fell off that roof, how much of that Nigel was Graham as a percentage? Oh, about 90%. Yes, yes. I I flew. I, I was so focused that week. Um, I was possessed about being memorable. And every time I hear that little clip, I had two women in my life. And, that, and there's a little break in my voice, which, um, yeah, I, that, 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 was, that was almost, that scream was, um, there was a little bit of, um, no, I was, I, I was very proud of my performances at the end, yeah. And there were a lot of me in it. But I had morphed into Nigel, as I said, so I'm not quite sure where that splits. I was going to see a psychiatrist again very quickly. <laughs> it's, um, just before we completely finish up with you, sir, and we'll let you get on with the rest of your uh, Friday evening with your lady good wife, uh, we need to go back on to our quiz. So, paper, pen, pencil to the ready. What are we looking at here? This is an archer's thing or person, right? Um, mountains in the snow someone who could maybe go down the gym says me I could really do going down the gym and um, some lard so mountain it's a belly and some lard Mount Belliards those are the cows <laughs> Tony's cows the Mount Belliards <laughs> alright okay next question on the pitch around um, this is a newer character everybody is a little bit of a clue alright what are we seeing top left? That's a yak. What are we seeing underneath? That's corn on the cob. Yakob. What are they doing? <laughs> top right, the hacker. And that is the son, Jakob Hackinson. That is one of the newer characters. The new vet. What are we looking at here? It's a coin, it's a racing car, and an Egyptian deity. Now, if... Uh, Lani Bihar, Mr. Witherspoon from the Lower East West Side has not got this, I'll be very upset. Penny, the team, the Formula One team is Hass, and that Egyptian god is set. Penny Hassett. Denise is nodding. Did you get that, Dusty? Yay! Good for you, Jojo Hexy. Sexy say no, I didn't, I didn't at all. The American one cent coin is called a penny in America. I didn't want to put an English one, one P coin because then everyone would get it. But I went for the American one. Penny has it. Okay, let's quickly go through this. Um, Graham? Yeah. All right. How many, how many actors have played Nigel? What are you asking me? Yes. No, well, two. Yeah, there you go. Uh, 
Factories 2. He told us when we were chatting earlier. Yes, yes. Hope you're concentrating on that one. Um, what has Nigel not tried selling? Uh, Graham, I think you can answer this one. Number one, swimming pools. Number two, ice cream. Number three, the Borsetcher Echo. What did you he, not he, try and sell? He, he, he didn't try and sell the Bors- the, the, the Borsetcher um, Gazette. No, that's the only thing yeah, he wasn't allowed into. Sorry. Yeah. Yeah. Well done, sir. Um, Lower Loxley Wine was finally accorded what accolade in 2008? Graham, do you remember? This is a, this is a bit of a deep in the weeds question. To me. No, I know. I'd love it to be number three, but I think it was number two. Mm, almost, it was number one. Regional oh right, United I States. knew, I knew it, it was it, it was very good for Nigel that yes, done something well. Yeah. Um, number four, who was Nigel's besties, best pal in the nineteen eighties? You know this one. Graham. I do, I do. It's Tim Beecham. We had some wild times together, and Freddie probably, you know, you can understand Freddie's behaviour because they were wild. They, <laughs> they, they were very naughty together. Yeah, naughty but fun. Naughty but fun. And right, next question. Mm. Um, can you remember your father's name, sir? Was I it can. Jim? Was it Gerald? Gerald. It was Gerald. It was actually. Nigel's middle name I learnt yesterday. Oh, named after your ego. Yes. Well, I didn't Nigel know. Nigel Gerald Parker. Yes. Thanks, Roy yesterday. I, that's interesting. Things you can find on Wikipedia. Um, when did Nigel marry Lizzie? Uh, do you remember Mr. Seed? No. <laughs> <laughs> that's a terrible thing to say. I'm terrible on dates. Was it 1994? It was. Spot on. Oh, but, good. Yes. And then the last question. Joe had a business proposition for Nigel that involved Bartleby and his trap. What was it? I think it was number two, the Nigel's Green Weddings. It was exactly that. It was You exactly see, you that. see, I remember it. Yeah. Yes. You, you did Good. well in your quiz. Um how how many of the picture round questions did you get, Graham? No, I, none at all. They were far too hard. Well, as our guest of honour, I'm going to say you got all three. Oh, bless you. <laughs> <laughs> you got an honorary three. I'm too honest, aren't I? I could have said that, but no, I didn't yeah. get this. Yeah, you, you should have. You should have. Um, right, so we're going to um, stop the show. Who got all of those? I'm quickly looking at everybody on Zoom. Um, thumbs up if you got all of them. Stop shaking your head, Lisa De Brule and uh, Daniel Quirk. Hello, Ali Haynes. Um, who got... Uh, all right. Who got only one wrong? AMOC. How many did you get? Sorry. No, no, you're shaking your head. No, 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 no. You've got, you've got seven. You've got seven. Can anybody beat seven? If you've beaten seven, wave at the camera and I'll switch on your mic. Lynn Nicholson, you're counting seven. That's not beating seven. That's the same as seven, Lynn. So, so Lynn got seven, and so did um, Pat Brown and AMOC. Well, I don't know what you win. I don't know what you win. Wait a minute, Denise, are you saying that you've got eight? Nod your head if that's what, yeah. Oh, wait a minute, let's switch you on then. You deserve to speak. There we go. Hello, I got eight. Way. <laughs> That's oh, brilliant. Which ones did you get wrong? Um, I thought the first one was Fat Paul. 
but then I'm not very <laughs> good, good at cow breeds. Um, and I, I got the bullshit, the, the bullshit, I can't say it, the wine. No, nor can I, it's well. very difficult. Borsitcher, borsitcher. Yes, that's well. it. And Graham, it's lovely to see you because I was in the pub as well. Oh, yeah. But good. I was also at the assembly rooms in Tunbridge Wells with your greatest fan, Sarah. I oh, I remember that. Sarah, and and yes. you, oh gosh, yeah. So there was it was a small house, but very appreciative. Yes, I remember and I that. And I saw you. I saw you afterwards. The... Yes, and you're. Yes, that's absolutely. And my greatest fan is she all right? She's okay. She's a little bit hunkered down in uh, working from home, but I will oh, pass on. I'll give your... her my very best wishes. I absolutely yeah. will, and I'm sure she would to you too. If thank she you. Was thank less you. hunkered down. Thank you. Yeah. Well, everybody, um, I think we can all agree that we've had um, a great evening's worth of entertainment. You're all unmuted. Um, so um, I think we should show our appreciation for Graham by giving him a round of applause. Oh. Thank, you. Thank, you. Thank you all for listening. Thank you, Thank you for tuning in. Thank you. Wonderful. Thank you. Thank you, Royfield. Thank, thank you, Graham. Thank you again for enjoying that. Do this. My pleasure, Royfield. It's, been, it's been lovely talking to you this week, Graham. Yeah. And uh, it's lovely to see Denise again. Um, I know. The power behind the throne. Well, next time you're up in London, I'll just look in at the pub and you don't have to buy me dinner. We'll just have a drink. We'll, we'll do that, sir. We'll do that. And keep up the good work. And uh, who knows, Nigel might come back one day. Or not Nigel, but Graham. You never know. You never know. You never know. Life is strange. Everybody, thank you for being part of Dungeon. Thank you, Thank you. You can go watch this back again on YouTube and whatever if you've missed missed anything. Uh, don't forget. Please continue to listen to the podcast. Evangelize about it. Tell your friends, tell your enemies, tell your next door neighbors. Listen to Dumbly Dumb, whether they listen to the archers or not. Because you know what? We're part of the national good we are. We're, Love Jackie we're, we're, we're good vibes everywhere about the world's most wonderful continuing drama. That's us. Bye bye. Everybody take care. Stay safe. See you. Bye. 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 Bye bye. 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 Yeah. Bye. Hi. Hi. <laughs> Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50 luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns.